Okay. Now, Where's I don't know if it was going? my mic or what it was last time. Or I don't hear it now. Okay, do you hear it now? No. How about now? No. You don't hear anything? Oh, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the whistling that high oh yeah no no we, we fixed it now that oh I thought you're, that's what you're asking me no no <laughs> i just wanted to make sure that you could hear <laughs> yeah i hear we're, you what we're saying and now, i is, hear me it, it, how's the volume on your your headphones good it's not too loud no okay all right we'll leave it there is this close enough to me oh yeah okay doesn't it's have to be like right up my nose does it, it? it depends on what sound you want so you can have it here yeah or you can put it right here. Oh my god, we could be voice. like a one nine hundred number. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm what kind of podcast is this? I, I am totally putting that in it now. <laughs> the snort. Yeah. Okay, what's going on here? This got loosened up. That's what happens when you uh, share your space with other people. Yeah. Sounds weird. So these mics are super sensitive. So a lot of the stuff you hear won't even show up on the podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. All the cars driving by and all that, it doesn't even show up. Oh, it doesn't? No. Okay. I feel like a radio DJ. <laughs> yeah, you totally are. <laughs> so any, any questions before we get started? I don't think so. Yeah? Yeah. Not really. Okay. We're just going to talk about stuff. We're just going to talk. Okay. I'm going to introduce us and then we'll get going. Okay. Okay. Well, welcome everyone to the five elements letting go. I'm Dr. Jared McCollum and my guest today is Tammy. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Good. So Tammy, I um, picked you because one, you're freaking hilarious. <laughs> I'll try to meet up those okay. standards. Yeah. <laughs> And also, you you're you know you're trained as a nurse. Mm -hmm. You've uh, worked mainly in ICU for preemies. Mm -hmm. You've worked in prisons. Yes. Um, have you done it? Like, I can't remember if you've done any uh, psychiatric nursing. Mm, well, emergency. Yeah. Um, which has a whole psych component. Yeah. The prison had a lot of psych component uh, to it that I, I assumed, wasn't expecting. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but not um, not actual on a unit with a uh, psychiatric um, patient population. Mm, okay. The other reason is we both have similar experience in having children with disabilities mm -hmm. and the fun that comes with that. Yeah, yeah. it's an adventure. Yeah. I think that's what we bonded about the first time uh -huh. I met you, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Same stories. Yeah. But, I, you know, so the purpose of the, the whole podcast is to discuss mental health um, you know, on a, on a macro level of mm -hmm. how the community is dealing with it and all of that, but also on a personal level mm -hmm. and, you know, what, uh, you can share as much as you like. If you don't want to share anything, you, you know me, there's to. hardly anything I don't share. Yeah. <laughs> and really we want to know too, like, what do you do, you mm -hmm. know, for you to help yourself find balance mm -hmm. and kind of work through these things? Yeah. Um, so Again, I always like to again uh, do a baseline, and you know, how do you feel our community is doing with mental health? Well, in the past year since the pandemic, it's for sure suffering more than it ever has before. 
Um, actually, I was just talking with my sister-in-law about this yesterday, about suicide rates, and she was wondering if they had increased. And I know there's statistics out there um, about suicide rates going up, but I was thinking about the population of people that would be more affected. And I think, you know, everyone kind of thinks about teens and how, you know, this social isolation for them must be really difficult because they rely so much on their, on their peer groups. And, but I think the groups that um, aren't as obvious to people would be, first of all, the seniors and their, their need for that social, you know, those social gatherings and those social moments in their lives. And that just completely stripped away from them. Mm -hmm. I imagine that there is a whole population of, um, of our elderly that is suffering with their mental health. And we, we've heard about that on the radio, like in the long-term care facilities and them having to choose whether to keep these people safe or to keep them, um, mentally healthy, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that they had to get to a point where they had to start allowing them to have visitors because they were falling into some serious depression. And the other group that I think people aren't thinking about as obviously is that that group in, you know, the older teens, the 20s, the 30s, people that live alone during this this mm-hmm. time when all they know is social. Yeah. All they do is hang out with people and date and you know, meet up with friends and have beer and, you know, drinks and stuff. So I imagine that that group, I can't imagine not having the three other people in my house for the past year. Oh yeah. Like I feel so badly for the people living alone during this. I know people have moved back home with their parents just so that they can have their little cohort as their family. But um, yeah, it must be really, really difficult. And I think we struggle with mental health generally before all this happened mm-hmm. i don't think um i think it's still taboo in some ways to talk mm-hmm. about i think we're getting better oh for sure but i don't think we're where we need to be yeah. yet does that make sense totally <laughs> <What was that? laughs> it was just a little, a little screech i guess i gotta work on my mic stand it's a little squeaky <laughs> no i would agree with all of that i think um you know, particularly the elderly with their whole life is either appointments or visits. Yeah. From people they don't have. No, they couldn't even else. go outside, go to an appointment. Yeah. I mean, just that little interaction that they have with, say, you know, the people that you were seeing and just that um, period of time where you weren't allowed to see patients. Sometimes mm-hmm. those those people, those older people coming out for appointments either to see you or the dentist or whatever, that interaction that they're having with just the, you know, the people sitting at the front desk and then the doctor might be the only people they see that day. Yeah. I can't imagine how hard it was to be just completely secluded. Like it would be like, you know, Tom Hanks on Castaway Island talking to a volleyball. Like, you know, maybe they all had volleyballs. I don't know. But yet you could walk out the door and everyone's there. Yeah. You know, it's it's all right there. But Mm -hmm. and again, you know, one thing I thought about, too, is I'm like, well, if I was just in one of those places alone and old, I'd say, fuck it. I'm out of here. Right. But would they let you back in? Probably not. And then yeah. where do you go? <laughs> right? Exactly. Like if you forced your yeah. way out. Like I don't know if they're like locking these people in, but maybe they are. Maybe, but maybe they were. the rule is, okay, well, if you leave, 
you have to quarantine yeah. for 14 days somewhere else before you come back in. They must have had some seriously strict rules. Like, yeah. I don't know exactly, but I imagine you couldn't just come and go. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, again, that's one thing that I think would be even more troubling than just being Tom Hanks. There's no choice. Mm-hmm. But to have yeah. that choice and know that outside that door or window mm-hmm. is everyone in the world and you just yeah. can't go there because you have to protect everyone else inside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and everything is who who are you protecting? Like, you know, we were protecting our parents for so long because they're both immunocompromised. And you know, the, the I guess in the past year, the hardest time we had was, of course, during Christmas, mm-hmm. because we are we're a very tight knit group of family members. There's 14 of us. So yeah. there's me and my brother and sister and then our families and my mom and dad. And we do everything together. Like if you look at my Instagram or, or Facebook pages, there's pictures of the 14 of us for the past, you know, however many years, always doing stuff together. So this has been for people that don't really hang out with their parents or their families. Like we would have like Sunday family dinners almost every week. Like that's we're a bit of the Cosby's that way. Right. Yeah. Um, well, we call ourselves the Griswolds <laughs> because yeah, exactly. we're not quite as, you know, calm and cool as the <laughs> Cosby's were more along the lines of Clark Griswold. But um, so it was really hard over Christmas because that was like gut wrenching not to be able to see them. But it was also tricky because kind of mad because we could have all gone to the mall together <laughs> on Christmas Eve, but we couldn't have Christmas dinner together. So that was kind of fucked up. <laughs> it, is, it is so weird. And I think I think, you know, that's one of the things where everyone's having such a hard time with is, mm-hmm. you know, because this is so new. No one knows what to do. No one knows the right path. Yeah. The government and healthcare system is doing their best. Mm-hmm. And after the fact, you start to see things that don't make a whole lot of sense. But at the yeah. same time, you know, oh, well, we can crowd them all, but we can't. Yeah. You know, and the fact that there's still all these, um, you know, uh, crazy parades. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That are going yeah. on yeah. to and and. None of them wearing a mask. You know, mm-hmm. I remember someone the other day was saying to me, well, what about all the other protests that were going on during the pandemic? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, those people were wearing masks. Yeah, exactly. It's still not a great idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, one is a a real um, problem that is actually killing people. Yeah. And the other one is just people who are inconvenienced by a mask and yeah. are angry that they're being told what to do. And, and there's people there's who, yeah, and there's people who don't 100% believe in everything they're hearing. And I've flip-flopped a couple of times, not dramatically, but been confused by certain things. Yes. Like that whole Christmas gathering thing was was hard. And then knowing things like, you know, being a medical professional and knowing that, okay, well, you know, we have to be, you know, I work in an, in an, in a NICU. So we keep our baby safe all the time using these practices especially hand washing that sort of thing not coming to work sick like that's just something common sense things and so you know sometimes I've had to explain to my family before when we've you know especially my mom just had open heart surgery so we've been over there helping care for her Mm -hmm. and you know of course everyone's nervous because we were you know trying to keep our distance from them and keep them safe but now we're over there because they needed us But I had to explain, like, you know, none of us are showing up sick. So we're doing the right things. We're being very safe about it. And I think if people 
went about it and had more common sense and stopped fighting the fact that we're being forced to wear masks. If you thought about just, you know, we're wearing masks in public to protect, you know, from accidentally coughing in someone's face or sneezing in someone's face. We're washing our hands. We're not going out when we're sick. Like if everybody just did that for, you know, six months, then this probably would have been over by now. (laughs) But people spend too much time just fighting over everything and everybody's, you know, got an opinion and, you know, most of it is just common sense things and a lot of it's going to stick around. Unfortunately, you're not going to be allowed to go to work sick anymore because people realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that because yeah, I just, you know. And what a great thing. Yeah. Like that's something that should have been done forever. How many times were you on an airplane flying somewhere and the guy behind you is hacking up along and all you're thinking about is the air blowing down on you from that thing and you're sucking in those germs (laughs) like that has been a problem for me for years like I'm a bit of a germaphobe being a nurse most nurses are but that to me or going to work and knowing like the secretary's hacking and coughing all over everything or running to the bathroom every five minutes like there would be a lot less sick people if we just kind of did some of this common sense and, stuff. And look, look at the flu this winter. Yeah. It was like non-existent. Yeah, do you know anyone that had it? Yeah. I, I, won't, I won't know what to do when I get a head cold again because, yeah. you know, it's... And it made a big difference in, in all of that because the less flu cases, mm-hmm. the less we're testing flu people for mm-hmm. coronavirus. But yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and again, you know, I'm not piling on people who are upset about the lockdowns and, and the rules because there's some people that have lost their livelihoods mm-hmm. and that's painful and it's terrible. Yeah. And a lot of other people are confused as fuck because mm-hmm. they keep changing things. Yeah. And that's, but if that's how science works. Yeah. We say, this is what we think is best. Let's prove it. Let's test it. No, that doesn't work. Let's change it. Let's go with yep. this. And, you know, if um, I'll still take science and, you know, making some mistakes and improving mm-hmm. it and improving it again and again, then just praying and hoping coronavirus. Exactly. Right. I mean, down in the States, there was something a few days ago that saying that the CDC saying that the kids at school only need to be three feet apart now instead of six. And so everyone's all freaking out like, oh, what happened to six? And you know, you lied to us before. Well, no, they just figured out that maybe that's how far sneeze flies. I don't know, yeah. but it's it's g- going to evolve. It's going to change when yeah. with information. Exactly. And especially as we've learned how, and initially we didn't know how it was going to affect kids. No. You know, like it could have been, you know, uh, a variant could have got here and wiped out kids. Yeah. We had no idea. And so we were to scared to death at first because our daughter has has all kinds of medical problems and most recently diabetes and the thought of what just a common cold or a stomach bug did to her blood sugars and putting her at risk for having that um, ketoacidosis state we were freaking out when it first happened because we thought oh my gosh she cannot get sick and because she'll get so sick she'll be in ICU and (laughs) so funny because like um, just in February, she got sent home because she had an exposure to someone who tested positive in her school. Mm-hmm. And it was a, someone in their little small group because she's in a little group at the Composite High School with uh, kids with special needs. And so one of the 
group that she's in of the grade 10, you know, must have had an exposure. But that two weeks of COVID jail, we called, we couldn't wait to send her back. (laughs) She was bored. Like we knew that she wasn't sick after the first week. And we're like, she's not sick. Like, and we were so scared a year ago. And now we're like, please God, take her back. (laughs) She's driving us crazy. My husband's trying to work from home and I was trying to work. And she was just like, he's on a conference call and she's meowing in the background. Like (laughs) it was a disaster. But it's interesting how, you know, initially there was a lot more fear mm-hmm. because of the uncertainty on how to affect, how, how we're managing it. Is there going to be enough room in the hospitals? Mm-hmm. All of this. And now I do think there is a lot less fear yeah. because we are managing it much better. We know where it's going. We have a lot more vaccines out there. Yeah. But it is like. The numbers are way higher than it was when during yeah. the lockdown. And there's yeah. way less fear now than there was. Like a year ago. Yeah, yeah. When it first happened, like we were yeah. freaking out over, you know, 10 cases and 12 cases. There was like 700 and something today. And I remember those first trips out to the store and being so, because we designated myself to go to the store between my husband and I. Mm-hmm. And I knew how to... D- hand hygiene I knew what to touch what not to touch we had we had the funniest procedure when we brought the groceries home about cleaning them I was instituting everything I'd learned uh, forever working in any kind of ICU or operating room like <laughs> clean hand dirty hand like with the sanitizers and stuff we had a whole thing going but I remember the first few times going to the store and the fear in people's eyes and the anxiety you could tell if somebody came towards you too quickly and every and they'd stop and they'd stare at each other and you wouldn't know what to do and everybody looked so freaked out it was just like out of a movie and I felt the same way I had like a panic every time somebody came too close to me and then I compare it to like today for instance I had went to save on foods and I had on a a mask and I mean you got to have some fun with these masks right so I had a mask that has like a panda face on it yeah. <laughs> and this girl's wearing this weird looking face shield or something and she were just standing there face to face talking about each other she's like oh I like your mask and I'm like I like your shield <laughs> so I mean now it's kind of like you know that you can tell that that anxiety has come down yeah. quite a bit yeah. because we're discussing each other's you know mm-hmm. PPE yeah. in the <laughs> grocery store in front of the full roll of toilet paper and yeah. Lysol wipes which I finally was able to buy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere now. Yeah. My God. <laughs> I know. It's it's crazy how we've we're such so adaptable mm-hmm. as a species, but yeah. And I think about how scared I was and how anxious I was. Like, you know, we we we've talked about anxiety before and stuff. I think the one of the first reasons I came to see you was because of anxiety and, and migraines and um And I think about how anxious I was a year ago, like just feeling like this impending sense of doom and this feeling of unknown and, you know, and just this fear that everybody else had and everybody had it, I feel like in some degree, Mm -hmm. you weren't alone. It was probably the first time I felt like I was like freaking out in life, but I wasn't just by myself doing it. I could call my sister. She was freaking out. I could call my best friend. She was freaking out. Yeah. Like everyone was. It was kind of like a group freak out. <laughs> and, and that's why it was so hard to get any, you know, a lot of supports for anyone. Because usually oh, yeah. when you're down, you're looking for someone to lift you up. Yeah, there was nobody. So we, yeah. my sister and I are super close. You know that. And you treat her as well. Mm-hmm. 
and we are usually each other's sounding board. And if she's having a rough time, I lift her up. And if I'm having a rough time, she lifts me up. And we were both like just in the trenches and Mm -hmm. didn't know how to help each other. And that's kind of where you know you're kind of in trouble, right? Because you're like, oh, God, we're screwed here because who's going to help each other? So, I mean, at one point, I think we just, like, cried on the phone, like, because we didn't know what to do. And we couldn't even see each other. Yeah. You know, but what are you going to, what are you going to do? Like, and that's going on, and you can't even go see a therapist, or are you trying to do one on the phone, and it's so not the same? No, no. <laughs> Therapy on the phone is not the same. I know. I remember there's a big push trying to get, you know, all practitioners like myself online doing, and I'm like... Well, we got to stick needles in I'm our own actress. selves. There's, there's one guy that's trying to... No, but there's like a... Uh, this guy in the States who does like acupuncture and Qigong, and he's like, oh, you can do distance acupuncture. Yeah, you don't use needles. It's all intention and, you know, energy, and I'm like... <laughs> That's why people call us quacks. He's <laughs> serious. Just throwing him at a dartboard across the room. Hope yeah, he hit, hope he hit the right yeah. meridian. <laughs> like, that's not how it works. Oh, you know? no, no, no. But no. even like I, you know, I did a, a couple um, like coaching counseling sessions yeah. with patients online. And it's just, it's not the same. No, I mean, you know, it's you do something. You best you can. Yeah. But uh, it wasn't something that I was overly excited about no. doing. No, and you're very, like, there's certain people that are, you get energy off of, right? And so, like, I mean, part of the reason I always, like, come to you is just your energy. And it's good energy. So you want to be around people that have good energy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can't get that through a telephone call. It doesn't matter what, you know, kind of energy they're spraying into the phone. It's not going to be the same. Love it. Yeah. So when did did you start to feel like things were improving and that you were Mm. like are are you still on like the path of anxiety and trying to recover from all of this or do you feel like you when did you feel you bounced back so i like the first probably two months i was like kind of a hot mess like i didn't work any more than i had to um like i didn't pick up any extra shifts i was just like i was pretty i was connecting with my doctor a lot i had increased some anxiety meds because i was just I felt like I didn't have a handle on things. Mm-hmm. And it's hard when you're a nurse too. And you're the only nurse in your immediate family because pe- they ask you a lot of questions and they rely on you for information. And same thing with my mom's surgery. Like yeah. I, I had to hold it together for the first five days, whole time she was in ICU and stuff because I had to provide all the information, had to be that person liaising with the doctors and getting the, asking the right questions. And it's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. So you feel this pressure on top of you're already feeling really kind of unsteady. And then you have this pressure of trying to explain this virus to your family. And I think that made it, it makes it a bit more of a struggle because you, you kind of just, you feel obligated to do that and you want to do that because you know that it's helping them. But at the same time, you're, you're just holding on to a thread too, right? So it took a couple of months, and then I think when the weather got me, it didn't help that it was in the middle of winter. like winter, and yeah, then it was this cold. Is still our winter, yeah, and so snowy <laughs> and stuff. I see all my Facebook mm-hmm. memories coming up, and I'm dragging my daughters out for daily walks. It was like minus twenty, and it, yeah. there was tons of snow. Yeah, I think when the weather got better and we were getting out, and 
things started to get a little more normal. My autistic daughter went totally bananas when we were forced to homeschool them. She was having tons of anxiety. She was so messed up. She didn't know what was going on. She doesn't understand it because she's she's barely verbal and she's not, she doesn't understand why her routine changed. And then we had to send stuff home from the school for her to do. And she loves school and just why is mom trying to teach me math? She sucks at it. Like go back to the hospital, mom. Like she didn't know what was happening. So her stress was making my stress worse because I could see her struggling. Her twin sister was just rocking the whole homeschool thing. She was a superstar during the whole thing. She was fantastic and just did her work and, you know, was great. And Steven's trying to work in the basement (laughs) with the dogs barking and everything else. Like it was, uh, it was, I mean, I'm sure in a lot of families it was quite funny at times, but Mm. um, I think after, after a couple months and I realized that we kind of had a system and we had some routine going and we tried to keep it structured and, you know, Madison's stress went down and I started to relax a little bit. And then what really, I I guess was probably by June, by the time we were able to just be outside more and I started, I think it was when we were allowed to have another cohort family. And of course we connected with my sister and her kids because all our kids are the same age. And, and then for the whole summer, we felt like good. Like we felt really good. We went camping. My parents went camping. We went and visited them. We were at in the backyard, you know, we put up a pool in the summer and so that it felt like really good. And then going into the fall, it felt just kind of I hate that the way people say the new normal all the time, like it drives me crazy Mm because I don't want it to be (laughs) normal. I want it to just be temporary and then go back to the old normal. But, but it was kind of like, okay, fine. I got to wear a mask all day at work. And then I got to wear goggles when I'm seeing patients and stuff. And, um, you know, but it was still okay. And then Christmas, you know, when the numbers started going up and I mean, and I felt by summer, I was like, oh, I don't even need anxiety meds anymore. It felt great again. Um, I just felt like my normal self and was happy. And and then Christmas got a little hard again because everybody wants to be with their family Christmas. Yeah. And so then it just started to, I felt kind of from Christmas to February starting to unwind, unravel a little. Like, oh my God, this is getting worse. Like, what's going on? Am I ever going to be able to travel again? Like starting to feel mm. like... All those questions were coming back. It was like a replay of a year ago. So it was, uh, it's been coming and going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, again, when the weather is better, I do see patients overall doing better. Right? The weather is so much better in the summer. Yeah. You know, the numbers were down, people Mm -hmm. were out. It was like, yeah, we got this. It's no big deal. Yeah. But then heading back into the winter again. Yeah. And then, you know, not being able to go to Hawaii like the government. And, yeah. Uh, God. <laughs> it was hard on us watching all of them. You know? <laughs> oh, it was so bad. But it's... But if you even have the tiniest little bit of seasonal affective disorder, yeah. then this would have just been... Oh, I couldn't imagine. So much worse. Yeah. Like, I have quite a few patients that, you know, I only see them in the winter. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, they come in some weekly just to get through... Yeah. Uh, the winter here and you know it's uh, taking away that element of social mm-hmm. from it just kind of piled on them this winter and yeah you know it's uh i really you know 
look forward to us getting through this summer and not yeah. having to do anything this fall, you know, yeah. like that, that we're not going to continue. I really hope we get on this. And I do too. Like I'm, the numbers are going up again and I'm like, okay, well, I, I try to be like the glass is half full kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking, okay, if we're going to do a third wave, let's do it now. Let's get it over with so that we can maybe have a normal summer. Like yeah. let's get everyone vaccinated and then let's like everyone just come on. It's been a year you're not going to die. Like, let's just get into it and hunker down and do what we got to do and then get the vaccines and, and just get to a normal summer. I would just love to have a normal summer. <laughs> I mean, I would also love to go to Vegas for my 50th birthday in May, but I realize that that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I want to go to Vegas for my birthday too this year. <laughs> Is it a big one? It's not a big one for me. Well, now. I'm turning 50 and oh, I yeah. had these big plans. I'm like, I'm going to Vegas. I'm going well, nowhere now. You just got to deal with uh, the testing and the 14 days. Yeah. And, That's like, yeah. no. So I yeah. hinted to Steve and I said, I could go to Banff. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Vegas, but you know, yeah. like, come on that now. Sucks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. We lucked out with Crystal's 50th because it was, you know, on a year we didn't have to, you know, we're, we could travel. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a lot of things people missed out on this year that which would yeah. be unfortunate. I think the fact that we're able to like make I always think about, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, like I went through a period of my life when I stopped thinking that when stuff kept happening to my kids and I thought, okay, this is stupid. Like this there's no reason that this stuff is happening. But then later on I always look back and think Oh, okay. That's why that happened. Like just every time, like I remember back when they were from two to four years old and they're, especially Maddie was getting diagnosed with things left and right. And I'm like, there's no reason, like, what is the reason for this? Right. Um, and then I'd read that book called, um, when bad things happen to good people by Harold Kushner. I think he's a rabbi. And, and it made sense. Cause it's like, okay, maybe just shit happens. Right. So I kind of went with that philosophy for a while, but then down the road, I'd look back and go, oh, wait a second. Now I know why this has happened, or now I know why that's happened. Like, I guess it took a while to get clarity on some things. Mm -hmm. So I try to think about, you know, what's happened over the past year and what purposes it had in the world, because that's just the way my brain works sometimes. (laughs) But, and at first I was thinking, you know, it was like a, it was a cleansing. The earth needed to be cleansed and we needed to somebody had to hit a reset button. The universe was screaming out for help. And this was our reset moment. It started to get harder to believe that when so many people were dying. Um, and then, then I started to think, okay, well maybe with all this problem with mental health, one thing that has come out of it is that people are talking about it more. I find it's Mm -hmm. still a huge problem and it's still a big struggle, but people that never, I know personally who never before admitted to needing mental health support have come out of their closet in the last year and admitted that they needed help. And for me, that was a huge problem years ago. Like when I first, like when my girls were that two to four years old, I went through huge, huge anxiety, depressive state. Just there was a lot of stress. I mean, I had twins to begin with and then having these daughters with special needs. And then my marriage wasn't great at the time. And we went through a lot in that two year period, but getting to the point where I actually, first of all, admitted that I needed mental health help Mm -hmm. 
because up until that point, all I ever heard was, you're so strong, like you're just, you know, you, you know, you were given these these problems because you're so because strong you're so, you know i, I, I see you I, I know i see you rolling your eyes <laughs> i hate it too yeah. <laughs> because we're the worst thing you can tell someone when they're going through something like that is how strong they are yeah. because then you feel weak and you feel like you can never admit that yes. you're weak now, because now you can't talk about it you can't get no. help because if you do now you're showing you're not as strong you're as not I as strong that, right? and you the worst thing that the last thing I wanted to do was let anybody down. Mm -hmm. And that would be like the ultimate defeat yeah. for me. Right. So I remember that being a huge thing. The fact that I finally said, you know what? I am not strong. I messed up. I'm like yeah. depressed. I like, I listed out all these problems. I need help. I need a counselor. I need medication. Admitting I need medication was huge because yeah. again, like when people tell you, you're so tough, you're so strong, you're the toughest woman I know. Oh my God, I heard that so many times. And I'm like, like, stop. <laughs> That's part of why, why you had to eventually get medication because yeah. that yeah. pressure to do so, it all on your own. So much pressure, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you're, uh, you know, oh, God gave you those girls because, you know, you're so strong. And I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> you know, whenever I hear that, that God will never give you anything you can't handle, I'm just like, why is God such an asshole? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, wait a second. First of all, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Second of all, like, uh, no, I don't. Uh, so I did stop believing that whole thing that, you know, that you're only given what you can handle. Like, yeah. that's that's crap, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think you have to learn to handle it. But I think you explained it better than most people ever have. Really? Oh, yeah. Which Be part? Well, just that. When everyone continually tells you when you're going through trauma and difficulty and pain, mm -hmm. oh, you're so strong, you're amazing, you're this, that, because you're right, it does put you up against a wall mm -hmm. and you have to make a choice. Am I going to live up to that and yeah. keep burying everything and going ahead without acknowledging the pain I'm going through mm -hmm. to keep that, uh, perso that persona mm -hmm. and that image that everyone has of me, keep it going? Or am I going to be honest and vulnerable and yeah. actually get better and get help? Yeah. And I can, so I'll give you another example of when this became even more profound for me. So I guess it was seven years ago, eight years ago. I, so, I mean, I had kind of recovered from that episode, you know, when my kids were younger and, and then I did become, you know, stronger for the troubles I went through, blah, 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 you know, all that shit. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I stayed on some medication too. Like, yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that. And I knew, learned some self-care and whatnot. And I thought I was actually had learned, I thought I was able to cope really well and that I'd learned some good coping mechanisms. But the next time it came up in my life was about seven years ago. And I had joined this fitness challenge at the time. And there was like 200 women in this online fitness challenge and hardly anyone had ever even met one another. Um, my sister and I were doing it together. So it was super fun. And you know me, I'm like super chatty and I'm always on Facebook. And so I'd be posting stuff left and right. And and I would get these comments and messages all the time. And I'd put pictures of my kids and stuff. And, and this group of women, which was the most uplifting group of women I'd ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. Little did they know that some of the kind of damage that it was causing further on. But they were like... Again, you're you're the strongest lady I know. You go through so many, you have so much stress and you always have a positive attitude and you're the most optimistic person I've ever met. And I mean, I came like runner up in the challenge because apparently 
people thought I was just this this um, super positive, uplifting person. And and I am most of the time, but I have become, it was like a six months or nine months with this group. I'd become so scared to admit that I was anxious, afraid, feeling let down, disappointing, disappointed in anything, feeling I was afraid to post anything negative, not only on the group page, but also on my own Facebook page. Like my Facebook page was nothing but unicorn shit and rainbows. Okay. Like, because it was, I had been put up on a pedestal as this positive, you know, person. And I was afraid to actually show the true side of me on a day when I might've been feeling down or negative or, you know, you know, said something bad about somebody or, you know, so not that anyone thought I was perfect because I would never, you know, think that anyone would think I was perfect Mm -hmm. and far from perfection, but they thought I was just like, nothing could phase me. And that pressure had built up over the months to the point where I was starting to struggle and I was having migraines. It was before I started to come see you Mm -hmm. and I... I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't say out loud that I was struggling. And here's this group that is supposed to be there so you can be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and supported and all that. And they were the last people that, and I'd become really good close friends with some of them. And I just couldn't, I couldn't admit to anybody that I was struggling. And what ended up happening is I kept it in for so long that I had a breakdown. And then actually lost some friends during that period of time because I think people were so surprised that I'd gone from being, you know, one way and then just completely broke down. And I was a sort of a different person for a few months because I was a little more short tempered and I was a little, and I wasn't positive anymore. I was like posting like how I was really feeling on Facebook that day. Right. And people were like, Whoa, who is this woman? And I had a couple of friends walk away because they oh, you're know. not genuine. You, it was yeah. all an act, all of this. Yeah, I think it's they... like, it's only because you wouldn't let me be yeah. who I am. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to put on that act to yeah. continue. Because you are a positive, fun, hilarious person. But we can't be that person all the time. And that was the thing. I mean, I, I am that person 90% of the time, but I could never feel comfortable letting anyone see the other side of me. I, not at work, not, you know, in the community, not um, online. Like maybe my husband and my sister, even for my own family, I put it on most of the time. Yeah. And the pressure just like, like I cracked like an egg because it was just too much. And it took a while to come back. And then when I did come back, I think people realized that, okay, wait a second. Like she's actually more real and more raw than we thought she was before, because not only is she super optimistic, but now she's willing to admit because when I came back from that incident or that um, period of time I came back like guns blazing this is me if you don't like me get the fuck out (laughs) I have no time for anything in my life except honesty and truth and I'm gonna have a bad day and I'm gonna tell you about it I'm gonna have a great day and you're gonna hear about it and and this is just 100% I've never been more authentically myself than I have been since that whole thing happened Really interesting because I don't think that it was not the intention of any of those women. No, never. To put you in that position or make you feel that way. But because we 
again, we have this like obsession with hustle and, you know, like putting people up on this pedestal mm-hmm. that um, always are doing it and got it going or appear to be. Yes. And again, you know, I never realized how much, well, well I guess in the same way, you know, when you're a professional in any situation where you're helping others, there's that expectation that you have to always be okay because mm-hmm. you, you're helping others. Yeah. And it what does, if you're not one day? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think every, I, I hope, again, I think the key is, you know, one, the individual has to be vulnerable and honest mm-hmm. with who they are. But at the same time, we as a community need to value vulnerability and authenticity more mm-hmm. than just, uh, you know, attaching an image to someone of how yeah. we perceive them and then just making, you know, putting it out there that you have to keep up with that image. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to be perfectly imperfect because mm. the word perfect itself just like I have yet to meet a perfect person. Yeah. <laughs> Most people have some kind of imperfections, but that's what makes them unique. That's what makes them you know, like I may seem like so sweet and kind and thoughtful and everything else, but I got a mouth like a truck driver, yeah. right? <laughs> that makes but, my mom curl up into a corner. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I, I've said several times on this podcast how I think everyone needs to calm the fuck down about swearing. But at the same time, it it lets people know that you're honest and open. Right. I read an article one time saying that the people that actually use swear words are to be trusted more yeah. because they're not afraid to say what's really on their mind. Yeah. And I think that's true. There was a study done on what are the top traits that you find in people that make you want to be their friend? Oh, when you meet someone for the first time, mm-hmm. what are those qualities and traits that they show you that lets you know that they, you know, that you would want to be their friend or you can trust them. Yeah. What Guess was what number one was swearing. Swearing. <laughs> And like, I'll be everybody's friend. Yeah. And like Crystal's gives me a hard time every now and then, especially on the beginning when we were yeah. working together. Like, you can't swear around the patients. <laughs> I'm like, where the fuck not? That's hilarious. And, and I like I don't drop a lot of f bombs mm. around the patients, yeah. but I will swear on the patients. Yeah. Because then I want them to know that they can too. Right. Because I right know. away that tells them that I'm a real person, and yeah. you're welcome to be a real person today. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to put on this image and persona of well i'm you know what's really funny is like i'm here to help people who are sick physically and emotionally Mm -hmm. and when they come in they are often reluctant to be honest with what's really happening and what's going on little do you know you can like see it (laughs) can't hide anything from you and your (laughs) sneaky little graphs But sometimes they'll come You're in and like be the like, CIA. oh, I feel like I'm always complaining to you. And I'm like, that's why I'm Duh. here. You're supposed to complain to me. I accidentally taught Madison how to say bullshit the other day. And now oh, I yeah? think it's hilarious because she's 16 and it doesn't matter that she looks like a tiny little, you know, six year old. But yeah. other 16 year olds say bullshit all the time. So I yeah. don't think there's anything wrong with it. But no. one of my favorite memes says something like, I'm mostly peace, love and light, but I say fuck a lot. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to wear it on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, me, my shirt today says yeah, good, good mom, mom, bad mouth. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And maybe that's it's what's changed through the whole pandemic is that mm-hmm. now 
You know, whereas before, if you admitted to having anxiety, you were seen as weak Mm -hmm. and spiritually bankrupt. Right. Because, you know, again, this weird concept that, well, if you just pray harder (laughs) or are more righteous, Mm -hmm. you don't have these problems. Oh, God. And I think people are finally making that separation. Yeah. And that, no, this isn't a moral or spiritual failing. This is a result of our society. Yeah, because people who are, you know, one religion versus another religion, they're all dying from the same virus. Yeah. It's not sparing certain groups of people. Oh, all you Buddhists are safe from the pandemic because you, you know. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. And what's fascinating, though, is if you look at the numbers, you know, certain faiths may live longer due to healthier lifestyles where Mm -hmm. like Mormons and Seventh-day Adventists and all Mm -hmm. of this. But who has the highest suicide rates, you know, in... (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, it was just a mic. Bump the mic. (laughs) But suicide rates among religious people are way higher. Are they really? Oh, yeah. The number one... The number one uh, state for suicides amongst youth in the United States is Utah. No way. You know, so this, uh, the pressure Mm -hmm. that those communities put on each other to be perfect and to at least work towards it or to, you know, be that, you know, live up to that standard of Christ and, mm-hmm. and be that light to the world and all of these things. Do not give them that space and vulnerability right. that they need to be a balanced and healthy person. Well, the same thing like when you put anyone on a pedestal and like yeah. we just said, like mm-hmm. if you, you put so much pressure on someone to be this perfect individual, then they're going to fail because... Yeah. There are very few people that can sustain that kind of pressure. I'm talking like maybe an Olympic athletes or, you know, um, Nobel Prize when, you know, their parents were just on them to study, study, study. And you have to be perfect and you have to be this and you have to be that. And, you know, and maybe some people achieve that greatness. But were they happy when that was yeah. happening? Because exactly. I sure as hell wouldn't have been. Long. No, <laughs> I am way more happier just wearing my emotions on my sleeve I mean, it can be a little dangerous sometimes. I mean, they just come, you know, I have no filter whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if I have an emotion, then you're going to know. Um, but I feel like I can just say what I want to say. And just if someone upsets me, be able to talk to them. And and I'm not, it doesn't make me confrontational. It doesn't make me um, nasty or anything. I think it just makes me honest. And yeah. like people can literally expect like who I am is what you're going to get. Like, but that's why so many people are attracted to you because oh, so many people are attracted to me. Yes. <laughs> we can open that one 900 number again. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely got the voice for it with this mic. So, but really people are attracted Aww. to people that are, uh, honest, mm-hmm. vulnerable, and authentic. Yeah. It is the most attractive qualities because when you are those things, you can be confident mm-hmm. That's because true. you're not giving a fuck what anyone else thinks yeah. and you just be you. And then there's those people that are putting on the uh, veneer of perfection or I'm amazing. I'll mm-hmm. go this, but there's no depth because they oh. can't yeah. be vulnerable and real 
because they're so busy with the veneer and, and the mm-hmm. image and people are picking up on this. Well, how many supermodels are people that are are in the public eye that other people see as physically beautiful, physically perfect, are the ones with the most insecurities. Yeah. You know, like I'm not physically perfect. I'm a chubby redhead, you know, <laughs> but I probably have more confidence than, you know, those people who who are, you know, that much more beautiful on the yeah. outside because yeah. I don't I'm not faking anything like yeah. You no, know? for sure. Like, uh, I had a patient in today. She's 13, autism, um, you know, fairly high-functioning mm-hmm. for autism. And, you know, she's been, of course, you know, she was at home. She's always been a, a bit different. Mm-hmm. And she got her diagnosis within the last year. Oh, right? wow. Older than. Yeah. And so it's making a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's really helping her out. And then she's been homeschooled ever since the pandemic mm. with her family. And her mom's a teacher anyway. So she just stayed oh, home good. and taught the kids. Yeah. But the, you know, there's some nervousness in her about going back to school eventually. Because mm. now that she knows what's going on and yeah. will people find out, will they treat me differently, all this. And I was saying to her today, I said, you know what? You need to embrace who you are. Mm. Because... Those authentic and real and, you know, vulnerable people are those that people are attracted and drawn to. And the world needs more of those people. Mm-hmm. And that's what gets those people like connected. And I, I shared with her a couple of, um, um, I've become addicted to TikTok. Did you? Yes. <laughs> I haven't I, ventured there yet. <laughs> I will, advent, I, I will admit this. TikTok <laughs> is like the modern vaudeville. <laughs> You know, because you have like 15 to 60 seconds to put your little show on. Yeah. And if people don't like it, they can, you know, hit the gong and kick you off the stage. Oh, hilarious. But there's um, two young women that I found on uh, TikTok that are both autistic. Mm-hmm. And they share with people their experiences and oh, no way. Um, what it's what it was like what it's like to mask all the time and how fatiguing and tiring it's mm. like i remember for hunter yeah every time he get home from school he'd have a shower and a nap like he, he was so exhausted he, he was exhausted every day after school mm-hmm. and you know just their experiences of dealing with people and communicating with them and mm-hmm. them not really understanding who they are and they've both yeah. just gotten to this point like this is who i am deal with it yeah oh i love and, that and just to to see that you know yeah and it's just Totally inspiring. So this young girl, like, gave her, like, go follow these two yeah. girls on TikTok yeah. and learn from that. Because, again, that's um, not only does that, it's such a beneficial thing to yeah. walk that path because not only does it help you, but it helps others. Totally. Because they can be like, oh, oh, around this person, I could be myself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to pretend. I yeah. can be honest. And if I'm struggling, I can talk to them. And if I need help, I can ask for help. And, yeah. No, yeah. that's amazing. And that's something that I've been trying to, like, I, I've i often said, if I can do one thing as a mother with my daughter, who's a typical teenager, I mean, yeah. she, she has anxiety and she has ADHD and, um, you know, so she's got some struggles, but you know, compared to her twin sister, like Madison's got, you know, her autism is so severe that she doesn't even really realize that, that she's different. Like, and she could care less basically. Right. I sometimes wish I had 
her, <laughs> the way she sees the world with just a, this completely, um, just fully trusting, like she doesn't realize that she's different mm -hmm. and just this complete, um, blissful ignorance. Yes. And I'm jealous of, I'm envious of her blissful ignorance some mm -hmm. days because she doesn't have to hear the negativity or see yeah. it or experience it. But, but with my other daughter, Emma, she's always been super quirky, um, since she was a little girl and, um, her quirky goes, you know, kind of back and forth and being like super shy and quirky and then super outgoing and quirky. And it's, it's caused some, you know, friendship struggles over the years, but she found a musical theater group in junior high mm -hmm. with your son. Yeah. And, uh, she, I remember her telling me that they were, I can't remember what she called them. They're a bunch of, um, you know, just weirdos or something they refer to themselves as a bunch of weirdos and and what she loved about it is that she could just be herself and the fact that this group of they're just so diverse and everybody's just so dramatic and so fun and funny and they all have a good sense of humor and they're all outgoing and they're just amongst themselves they're just like are just this little gaggle of just funny people and I remember in grade seven asking her oh, okay well you know, like, do we need to go school shopping? Like now that you've been to grade seven, like, you know, what are the other kids wearing? Like, do you want to go buy some jeans? Cause she used to wear like just these bright colored leggings all the time. Right. And she hated wearing jeans. She'd always wear these bright, bright colors and yeah. pattern leggings. And, and I'm like, you know, so are the other girls wearing leggings? And she's like, no, they mostly wear jeans and they wear a lot of black. And I'm like, okay, well, do you want to wear jeans? And she's like, no mom, why would I want to dress like everybody else? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Cause it's junior high and she had just switched schools. And I thought, you know, if you wanted to fit in. And yeah. she's like, I don't want to fit in, mom. I want to be myself. And here I'm like, yay, yay, exactly. <laughs> like if I can get through her teenagehood with one goal and it would be to basically create this little unicorn of a person that is so confident in who she is that she doesn't care whether she's, everybody's wearing jeans. She's going to wear her bright ass leggings and be proud of them. And here she is in grade 10 feeling the exact same way. And I love that because yeah. to me, that's like, you know, I'm checking that off the mom box because that was like my goal in life was to get her through at least junior high with yeah. some, some with type of confidence. Some confidence. Yeah. 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 So oh, I'm, good. I'm pretty proud of that moment because yeah. she's, and she's, she's done a few kid. things over the years that have made me realize that she doesn't care what anybody thinks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's all I want. Is for her to be, because I wasn't like that when I was her age. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember being super insecure. So I'm happy. I'm happy that happened. Good. Yeah. So what, again, one thing I always like to ask everyone is like, what kind of tools or what are the things that you do to help you find balance every day that, you know, someone listening may be like, oh, that's, that would help me. Or I like that mm -hmm. idea. Oh, so you don't mean napping, right? Okay. Uh, napping is amazing. <laughs> napping is a good napping practice. I like napping. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with napping. It should be done more. Uh, okay. So personally, the things that I do, I mean, I love to meditate and I, whether it's just a quick, like I have a couple apps on my phone and there you could do like a two minute meditation or for me, meditation doesn't have to be like, I got to sit in the corner cross-legged and be like, mm, you know, like yeah. it doesn't have to be that kind of thing. It can just be like just tuning everything out and just doing some breathing and just, just being that mindfulness. Like 
and I know my sister struggles with uh, with meditating. She's like, I can't clear my mind. I'm like, it's not about clearing your mind. It's just about focusing your mind on something else. Mm-hmm. And so I like to just kind of tune out sometimes and, and do that. Um, for me, I've always been into things like, you know, crystals and essential oils. And, you know, I'm a bit freaky that way. But <laughs> but to me, like just being around the things that I love like that. Yeah is almost meditating for me mm-hmm. and I've got a little space with a fish tank and and it just like gives me that chance to to be even just washing the trays that my crystals are on just gives me some kind of calm I guess mm-hmm. um being outside is huge like fresh air and nature is I mean so cleansing um having that person that you can just be again like 110% yourself with and for me, it's my sister. Like I tell her everything. We talk about everything. We're each other's, you know, best friend. And just being able to, I mean, in the world of texting everything um, and emailing and whatever, like we, the one thing that this pandemic has done is it's made us start phoning each other again. Mm-hmm. We pick up the phone once a week and we talk on the phone. I talk on the phone more with my parents. I talk on the phone more with my friends. Like it's... um just hearing their voice has made a huge difference. So uh-huh. I've kind of rediscovered the phone call, <laughs> which <Yeah. laughs> seems kind of weird because before I'd be like, if you can send it in a text, then <laughs> send yes. it, do not phone me. Yeah. <laughs> um, acupuncture for me was huge for my anxiety. Um, and just like being mindful of kind of perspective, I think is really important for me. And it's really easy where I work because... I see like really bad situations and it always makes me feel blessed and grateful and thankful for my life. Mm -hmm. So having a little perspective, like I know everybody's got problems and I'm not downplaying anybody else's problems. Um, They're very severe to you in that moment, but just having a little bit of perspective and knowing that, okay, like just having that, you don't want to compare your life to other people, but knowing that there's, you know, other things going on Mm -hmm. that might just be larger and bigger and maybe even taking a moment to reach out to someone who, you know, is struggling with something, you know, even more profound um, can sometimes change kind of be a light bulb moment for me Mm -hmm. where I'm like, Oh, wait a second. Like um, my problem's not that bad. Um, You know, those are, those are huge. Like talking, uh, whether to a therapist or, Honestly, like when I come in and get acupuncture with you, like I always feel like I've just left a counseling session <laughs> <laughs> because it just feels like, you know, just getting some stuff off your chest. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get that weight off of you, it just makes you feel like just lighter generally. Um, and like, you know, I used to journal. I don't really do it much anymore, but um I dance. I do Bollywood dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is like, um, that's been hard not doing it this year. Yeah. So for me, that was always kind of a good outlet for me. Like, yeah. I mean, physical fitness in the past, but more like dancing. And there's just something like really kind of releasing about that as well. Just mm-hmm. getting out. And so I just dance around my kitchen like an idiot. But there you go. You know, for <laughs> me, it's cleansing yeah. <laughs> and being with my kids. Yeah. Like, just listening to their stories and putting my phone down and just listening to Emma tell me absolutely everything about her day. <laughs> and it sometimes lasts like an hour and a half. But to me, <laughs> that's like I'm mindful and I'm in that moment and I'm not thinking about anything else but her cute little smile and telling me about her, her um, 
whatever happened in the high school today. Wow. But just imagine how many mothers who are listening to this are like, I wish my daughter would talk to me like that. Right. You know? And I, every day, I feel blessed that she gets into the car at the end of her day of grade 10 and tells me everything that happened in her day, including today, there was two kids caught having sex in the bathroom <laughs> at the high school. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll drive Max nuts. <laughs> he was talking to me about that the other day. He goes, Dad, why on earth would anyone have sex in a bathroom? That's well, disgusting. I'm surprised you haven't heard about it because the whole school apparently knows because they got busted. I haven't seen him yet. Too. <laughs> okay. So she tells me everything. Wow. And she is 16 and a half. And honestly, like, I feel like that just makes my day. Yeah. She just tells me absolutely everything wow yeah and i love it i love having that connection with her it's really important yeah well and i do think too like you're someone who um like really embraces life mm -hmm. and the things that you love you're not ashamed of the things you love and mm -hmm. the things you like to do whether that's uh, Comic-Con or, <laughs> you know, uh, your favorite, you know, shows and stuff. Or, yeah. <laughs> like you're into that yeah. stuff and you're not afraid to be a fangirl no. and talk about it and be who you are and enjoy mm -hmm. the things you enjoy. And again, that just goes along with that authenticity yeah. and embracing who you are. I think it surprises some people, though, because, of you know, I think there's some aspects of me that people don't always know. Like they, you know, they seem I, I sometimes surprise people I work with because they you know if if we're in a very you can imagine it's a very serious environment sometimes right in a, in a NICU and and I've been a nurse for 28 years so I mean I'm fairly knowledgeable and and um you know and it, if a situation is serious and I'm like you know this very serious person in that in that moment and then I think when we get to the break room and then I just become my normal self I think it surprises some people to find out things about me like they'll They'll be like, what? You dance and you do like Bollywood dancing and you like go to Comic-Con and you love <laughs> Disneyland. Like you like love unicorns. Like where's, where's this person that was just, you know? <laughs> so I think, uh, I think it surprises people like, cause they, they just see you, you know, in a certain light sometimes. And I mean, my family knows that I've got, you know, all these crazy ass sides to myself, but, um. I mean, like most people that know me don't know that I can sing or that I dance or anything like that. Right. So it's um, I love surprising people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think too, a lot of people are afraid to admit what they're passionate about. Right. And why? Because they're worried someone's going to judge them or not like what they like. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is that messed up? It's totally messed up. And that's the thing that like I try to instill in, in my daughter is. To never judge someone on something they're passionate about. I don't yeah. care if you are passionate about goldfish. Yeah. Like, just do your goldfish. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. if it makes you happy, like, I just, I believe in doing the things that make you happy and doing them with the people that make you happy. And if somebody's in your life and they don't make you happy, then maybe you shouldn't be spending that much time with those mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And I like, why would you hide these things? Like, this... I think sometimes I feel naive in the way I look at people because I don't understand people sometimes. Why would you hide those things? Why wouldn't yeah. you be honest about what you love? Like, you know, if you're a closet Walking Dead fan, you know, like just embrace it for yeah. God's sakes. I've watched the entire series about 
20 times. <laughs> Love me a good zombie yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> and well, Tony get me going on Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Not a great ending. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I agree. But I'm like a total nerd when it comes yeah. to that stuff. Like I know, like I watch the after shows and stuff. <laughs> like, totally, totally. There's nothing wrong with that. No, uh, but. Yeah. You know, I, I remember watching this video on YouTube once and it was um, uh, like little skits, but it was like going back and forth between uh, like a dungeon dragon geek, mm-hmm. like fantasy people mm-hmm. and religious people. Oh, really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and showing how they're the exact same. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're just as passionate about their story yes. and just as passionate That's about hilarious. the things that they get excited about. Yeah. And, you know, want everyone else d- d- doesn't get it why other people <laughs> don't understand what they love and <laughs> want to push everyone to join and be like them. That's hilarious. You know, there is no difference. That is so funny. And we just decide that, well, your hobby is more important than everyone else's hobby, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's where they draw the line, yeah. (laughs) We tried to play Dungeons and Dragons on New Year's Eve, but it was just me and Steven and Emma, and it was just not as much fun with just three people. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. And I kept wanting to be the unicorn, and there was no unicorn, so they were getting mad at me. (laughs) It's interesting. I read something the other day, and they were saying, uh, there's a real big problem with cults in Japan. Really? Yeah, especially with young people now. They're... Uh, luring them into these cults uh, yeah. online. God. Like, what was it, last year? The, a cult in Japan uh, killed uh, quite a bunch of people in a subway of sarin gas. It was like oh my God. part of their, like, cult thing. But anyway, so now the um, uh, government in Japan is encouraging uh, people to, because it's hard to socialize right now because yeah. of it, they want people playing Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> online. They are, as a government, are, are encouraging. So when we were kids, everyone said that Dungeons and Dragons was the devil and it was going to make you, yeah, they it was want like you to cultish play. and all this stuff. And now they're like, actually, this is like one of the healthiest things you can do. It's like, can you imagine Premier Kenny? Okay, people of Alberta, like you all get, a, get together a cohort yeah. and play I'm Dungeons gonna, and Dragons. I'm going to be the dungeon master for Alberta. <laughs> What would what would Hinshaw be? <laughs> a healer. <laughs> That's so uh, funny. Yeah. Oh my god! I can tell my husband that he loves Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool thing. It's like acting and right? fantasy all at once. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love fantasy. <laughs> we definitely we definitely developed a theme during this evening. What was it? <laughs> Authenticity. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. And you're again. I again. One of the reasons I asked you to be here because mm-hmm. I think you, you know, through your story, you've shown us you learned why it's important, mm-hmm. and you've been able to be that person. And Aww. I think as we all are authentic ourselves and encourage those around us to, and then don't don't try to, you know, again I, that lesson of don't put people up on a pedestal and push them and. Put them into a corner where they feel they have to be strong all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, be real honest and like, wow, you've 
You've been through a lot. Are you okay? Yeah, why not that instead you, of... How do you get through You must that? be okay, right? Because you're so strong all the time. But like, yeah. I'm totally not. Like, <laughs> wow, can, is there any way I can help or mm-hmm. help lift your burden? You know, I've been through some yeah. stuff too. You want to talk about it? Like, yeah. That but, would have been such a different approach. Yeah, And agree. would have opened you up to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. No, I agree. Yeah. And it's... Uh, no, yeah, I guess we did come to a theme, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> But thank you for being on. Hey, you're you know, welcome. It's, uh, it's fun. Absolutely wonderful. I do think this is a, a discussion that's going to help a lot of people and help them to learn, you know, because this is our 22nd or no, 23rd podcast. Oh, is it? And we haven't got into this. Really? So this is wonderful. Oh, thank you wow. for adding to the conversation. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. No, I'm glad. Lovely. And that makes me feel good knowing that uh, I put that energy off because that's what... Um, that's what I feel inside. And mm-hmm. so I want people to see that. And I want people to know that it's okay to be yourself. Yeah. Because <laughs> who else are we going to be? Like, yeah. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, you demonstrating that to your daughter and mm-hmm. your kids. Because when your kids get out on their own and they're alone, mm-hmm. they don't know who they are. Yeah. And the world's a scary place. Yeah. It just makes it that much harder. And then but we can call saying someone was having sex in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an awesome way to end. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it was absolutely wonderful. Everyone, uh, it was wonderful to introduce Tammy Alger to everyone here. Alger. Alger. Sorry. It's <laughs> okay. I, I deserve that. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. It was great. Bye. Bye.